Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. episode 285 of real life ghost stories and i have four spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from march the 25th 2023 and story number one comes from jen i've listened to every episode of the podcast have been a listener since dear david or so i thought i was scrolling through episodes last week to find one to re-listen to while i walked to work when i discovered two episodes that i had missed the first one was episode 174 In that episode, you talked about the Theatre Royal in Brighton, which I know very well as I was born and raised in Brighton. Been to many shows and pantomimes there over the years. And also in that episode, you thanked a Patreon member in the episode called Jenna, which is my name. I thought to myself, oh, that was a cool coincidence. But then I listened to another episode that I missed. It was mini episode 194, which is right before that. And one of the stories submitted was from a lady called Jenna. Now, I'm not sure what it means, if anything, but it freaked me out a bit that the two episodes I'd missed both mentioned my name and one heavily featured where I live. I'm currently trying to figure out spirituality and what I do and don't believe in. I've never been attached to any particular religious groups, but have always been hugely fascinated by ghosts and ghost stories. So I'm not sure if this is a sign of something or just a huge coincidence. Is the universe shouting at me? If so, what do they want? What are they trying to get my attention for? I have no clue. Or are there just a lot more women out there named Jenna than I thought? Okay, that is a weird coincidence. Like the fact that you had listened to all the episodes and those two were the only two that you hadn't listened to. And then the first one was a Patreon subscriber called Jenna and all about Theatre Royal in Brighton. And then the second episode you listened to had a story from somebody called Jenna. That's weird. Do you know what the universe is telling you? The universe is telling you that you need to listen to more Real Life Ghost Stories podcast episodes. I don't know how you're going to do that, Jenna. Because there's only a certain amount in existence. But maybe you need to listen to them from the future. You know? Maybe you need to re-listen to all of them. I don't know. And I do love weird freaky deaky moments of coincidence like that. But the thing is, right? If the universe is trying to tell you something. If it's trying to get your attention. It's not being very clear actually about what it wants. That it's a very vague and ambiguous message. And story number two comes from Nancy. My husband and I bought a house from the estate of a 93-year-old man, Joe who had passed away in his house that he had built for himself and his wife, who had also passed in the home. That was in 2017. I was cleaning the bathroom one day in 2010 when I felt the backside of my body go cold. There wasn't an open window or a breeze causing the chill, so I walked out of the bathroom into the bedroom where I instantly felt warm again. I then returned to finish my cleaning in the bathroom Once again, I was cold from head to foot on my backside. 
Oddly, I didn't feel threatened or afraid, so I started joking and talking to what I imagined to be the ghost of Joe. I completed my task shortly and left the room, once again warming up. I called my sister to tell her that I thought I'd been visited by a ghost. Then I put it out of my mind. A few weeks later, the young man who lives next door came over to talk. He said he had had a dream that Joe wanted him to know that Joe had been trapped in the bathroom for three years and was finally out. He wanted us to know that he was watching over my neighbour and us. Joe liked the changes we'd made to the house and had actually chosen us to buy it. But Joe wanted to leave Earth and be with his wife. I really believe I carried Joe out of that bathroom. When I told my neighbour what happened to me, he decided what he had dreamed was real and started researching how to release his soul. He had a little ceremony following the instructions. As he finished his prayers, he saw a shooting star. Joe was moving on. If someone had told me this story, I'd be sceptical. Since it happened to me, I can't help but believe there are things out there that are beyond understanding. I'm a big fan of this story because it feels like you allowed that man to be free. I mean, if that's a coincidence, it's a really weird coincidence that you had this experience in the bathroom where you felt ice cold and then your neighbour was like, oh, I had this really weird dream where Joe came to visit me and said that he'd been released from the bathroom. That's very weird. It's the specificity. How do you say that word? Specificity. Specificity. Specificness. It's whatever. It's the specificness of it being in the bathroom. I think that's the that's the kicker for this. If if your neighbour had said, oh, I had this really weird dream about Joe that his soul had been released or whatever, you probably wouldn't have connected the two things together. But the fact that he specifically said that Joe had been released from the bathroom is really weird. And look, how how nice is it that you guys went, well, okay, let's take this seriously and see if we can do something to release a soul and help him on his way to wherever it is people go after they die. Amazing. Although I wouldn't be best pleased being trapped in a bathroom for three years, to be honest. And story number three comes from Lizzie. This happened when I was around six. I shared a room with my sister and she was 11 at the time. This is like 20 years ago. I was the only person who could see this thing. I come from a long line of witches and since I can remember, I've been able to see things. For a good few months, I used to see a shadow person and as you probably know... They're not something to fuck with. I'd lie in bed at night, and it was like a wispy cloud, but jet black, with blood-red eyes, and it would watch me in bed, and it would growl at me. My mother thankfully believed me, but my stepdad thought it was just my imagination, and wouldn't let my mam do anything about it. It took her months to convince him, and he finally believed me when I kept drawing it, and would wake up screaming and sweating almost every night. So my mom got a priest in, and no word of a lie, he walked into my bedroom, and he looked exactly where it was. We hadn't told him anything, and he went into the room, and said that this thing was pure evil. He blessed the house, but I was still seeing it, and it was angrier than ever. We ended up getting my gran in, and she blessed the house, and put a protective spell on me and the room. She said it was sent by someone to hurt me, because, and I quote, They know that I'm more powerful. I still have no idea who it was. 20 years on, I haven't seen anything. I moved from Scotland four years ago to Ireland, and three weeks ago I heard this low, demonic voice say my name. Obviously, I ignored it, but it kept getting louder. I turned on my torchlight, and lo and behold, he was back. 
My stomach fell out of my arse. But I mustered up the balls and at the top of my voice told it to fuck off and go back to where it came from. I rolled over and went to sleep. Now I've not heard or seen anything in the last few days, but I did wake up with three scratches on the back of my leg. Right, okay, Lizzie, I know this is like terrible and I don't wish this on anybody and it must must have been really frightening as a child to experience this and to see this thing every night and to see this this black smoke with red eyes staring at you and not have people believe you and have it go on and on but it is incredibly entertaining that a priest came in and was like oh fuck this I can't do anything about this and then it's like well if a priest isn't going to do it let's bring in the big guns it's time to get the top dog in to sort this out and top dog is always granny every time nobody's gonna mess with your granny not some other witch who is jealous that your granny's more powerful? Not smoky demon with red eyes? Nobody. I am so sorry that it's back, but it sounds like you are much better equipped to deal with it as an adult than you were as a child. In that now that you're able to say, look, fuck off back to wherever you came from. We're not doing this again. And hopefully that's enough to keep it at bay. But keep us updated. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And our final story today, story number four, comes from Laura. I never did see a ghost at Excelsior. I was trying not to. After all, I lived there alone. A few years ago, in the fall of 2019, I moved out to Aurora, Colorado, to take part in a youth development program called AmeriCorps NCCC. It's a bit of an odd program. When most people think of AmeriCorps, they think of year-round school tutors, but our program was different. We were divided into teams of young adults, and we travelled all over the US doing work that ranged from building houses with Habitat for Humanity to constructing earth ships in the deserts of New Mexico. In fact, for my team's first project, we were sent to New Mexico, where we did build earth ships, which was back-breaking work. Our housing accommodation was the large two-storey home of our contact, and he turned out to be verbally and emotionally abusive. As the leader of my team, I was the one who interacted with him the most often, and our turbulent and unsafe relationship exploded after a few weeks. After countless incidents of being verbally abusive towards me, he started refusing to speak with me, and our unit leader had to pull me from the project and bring me back to serve on campus. I was brought back to Excelsior. If you Google Excelsior, you will find that it shut down in 2017. A self-proclaimed youth centre, 
There are many who will say it did more harm than good. It wasn't just a school, it was ultimately a prison. A long-term detention centre for the disenfranchised young women who were sent there. The programme ran out of funding and was forced to shut down. And it was bought by AmeriCorps and rebranded as the AmeriCorps NCCC Southwest Campus. It was our headquarters, where we had training and where we lived between projects. My fellow team leaders and I were brought in for training during the summer of 2019. We learned the responsibilities of our job in a building that functioned as a presentation room, but used to be a room where girls were put into solitary, presumably as punishment. The main body of the room branched off into smaller rooms, which were nothing more than cells. After listening to some accounts of a woman who lived there, which I will explain later, I found out that they were called the quiet rooms. Nothing remained in them but old graffiti and a sense of loneliness. Sometimes I would stand in them and imagine being shut in, and my heart hurt for the girls who had been. Soon the rest of the corps flooded to campus to finish training with us. As team leaders, it was our job to keep people out of the basement of the main building. Late at night we would patrol, looking for couples who were seeking a place to hook up or to vape, and sometimes we would go down there to explore. After Excelsior was sold, not everything was cleared out. Quite a bit was left in the basement. We would go into the art room and stare at the drawings left on the old chalkboard. Girls had left their creativity splashed across the ancient green surface. More sobering than that was the room that held hundreds of old files. I found photo albums of the girls who had been held here. There were pictures of parties held in stark rooms, of classrooms, of girls staring into the camera and very seldom smiling. And then I found the article on non-lethal restraint buried in the other files. I flipped through it feeling queasy. What were they doing to the girls that they had to have this training? Had something happened to someone? That's usually when a training is held after a specific tragedy. And there was so much more than just that room. There were rooms that had clearly been offices full of memorabilia. There was a concrete storage room with old party and game supplies. Upstairs there was an entire section of the school off limits to us, which we, of course, went into. We found old stairwells and meeting rooms with strange pictures on the walls. Lots of dead ends and tiny unused bathrooms full of rusting pipes. And then there were the cottages. Contrary to the cheerful imagery that the word cottage creates, the buildings were more like sterile dormitories. One of them had ongoing construction in it, though I never saw anyone working there. There were exposed wires which were presumably turned off, but due to some legal reason we had to patrol these areas anyway to check for fire hazards. And we usually had to patrol them very early in the morning. I remember stumbling bleary-eyed, alone through this cottage. I would notice through my fatigue that girls had left bits of their lives behind. Old lighters, used chapstick, abandoned crutches, partnerless socks... Someone had put on lipstick and then kissed the wall, leaving a rueful print of their one-sided romance. There was plenty of graffiti. The one I remember reads, For in dreams we enter a world entirely our own. A quote from Dumbledore, if I'm remembering correctly. Someone somewhere had wanted to write it down. The girls murmured their stories through these derelict traces of their existence, proof that they had been here. 
lived here, breathed, laughed and fought with each other. Plenty of stories circulated about who they had been and mostly how they had died. This gossip ignored most of what these girls had been but no one was immune to it. We are fascinated by darkness after all. I mostly remember the story of the girl who hung herself in one of the cottages. This proved to be fodder for the imaginations of the young adults who joined NCCC. I remind myself now that she was more than a story. She had been a person. She was found in the closet by her roommate, Shannon Rose, who is now an internet personality. Shannon is a successful vlogger and has a few videos posted about her experiences at Excelsior when she was young. Should you watch any of her videos or start researching this facility on your own, please be cautious. There is a lot of very triggering material around bad things that happened to young girls. It is very distressing to read about. I am glad that, for whatever reason, I didn't do a lot of internet research on the institution's past while I lived there. What I did know was that there had been a lot of life on the campus. It was so easy to sensationalise these stories and I am not exempt. During my time there, I took part in the spooky storytelling rituals that circulated among the young adults. We even tried to find the room where the girl had been found in the closet. This is not something I am proud of, but it happened and I need to hold myself accountable for it. I take this time to remind myself to show respect to the young women who suffered, lived and died on the campus. They were not just stories. When I lived there alone, I spent most of my time in what was called the Summit, which was a second-story dormitory-style area where all the team leaders lived while they were on campus. The rooms were very bare. We had the essentials to live and that was about it. After I was forced to leave New Mexico, I did desk work on campus by day and lived there by night. I had a kitchen all to myself and the summit. I had the whole damn school to myself. This is where we can dive even deeper into the past. Not only was this a detention centre for troubled young women, before it was that, it was run by nuns. These nuns took in distressed young women and housed them, rumour had it, in the summit. According to these stories, it had every characteristic of a stereotypical insane asylum. As we all know, places like that were anything but an asylum for the people who were kept there. There were ghost stories of a nun who stood in the shadows at the end of the hallway, there were no locks on the doors inside or out. I remember asking one of the staff in the building if he could install a lock on the inside of my door while I was living there. He laughed and asked me if I was afraid. Yes, Richard, I was afraid. When he went scampering off at the end of the day to his presumably cosy home, I shut myself into that room when the sun went down and didn't leave until the sun came back up. I even kept a small water boiler in there so I wouldn't have to leave the room to make tea. I honestly don't know how I stayed sane or slept. One afternoon there was a massive storm, characteristic of the violent storms that passed through Colorado. I remembered wandering the halls for some reason. I'd been in the kitchen and left to walk down to the gym to play some basketball, I think. I remember encountering the cavernous dark room and hearing how loud it was in there from all the echoing thunder and running all the way back to the kitchen. Sometimes I wonder if I remember very little from that time because there were things that I purposefully forgot. Throughout the school, little circular mirrors were installed in the ceiling so you could see who was coming around the corner before they actually did. 
I made a point not to look in those mirrors. I didn't want to know. In this story, you may be wondering where the haunting is. I think it was everywhere that my back was turned. I imagine girls flitted by when my eyes were closed, that they giggled when I was in the shower and couldn't hear them over the water, and that they whispered to each other while I was on the phone. And I was far too frightened to look for them. I refused to think about the darker things that happened to them inside those walls. The ones who survived are women now, I wonder where they are. Do they know their faces still linger in photo albums buried beneath that old school? Do they know we can still feel a prickle of their echo in those old hallways? Did they suck in their breath when we ran curious fingertips over their old bedposts? Shannon Rose told her story, but many of them haven't. For the most part, they are voiceless or they have voices and tell stories, but I don't know where to find them. I spent so much time exploring that old school, but only when others were with me. I couldn't bring myself to wander alone. I have seen videos where the girls that were brought into the school are described as some of the most disturbed and violent in the country. Maybe they were, but this is a moot point because it distracts from the fact that they were children. With a child, there is an automatic power dynamic in favour of the adult. We fail to understand that children act the way they do for very specific reasons. They were brought to that school to be contained and subjugated. What would have happened if they'd been given room to grow and heal? Some of those girls blossomed anyway, even in harsh conditions. I think about the lipstick stain on the wall. In the midst of all that oppression and heartbreak, many girls survived to become adults. They should not have experienced what they did at Excelsior, but those dark things do not define them. They moved on. I do not believe in ghosts, but I believe in memories. I think those girls left more than unrequited kisses. I think those rooms and hallways are not empty but full. Echoes of voices, doors clicking shut, mirrors that show you things that you refuse to look at. I lived alone for five weeks in Excelsior. It remains one of the most shadowy experiences of my life. I saw the strangest things. Everything that was left behind. And then there were all the things that I didn't see which I imagine were even stranger. So for people listening who are not in the know, AmeriCorps, and I really hope I'm saying that right, I was like, is it AmeriCorps or is it AmeriCorps? And I looked it up. I think it's AmeriCorps. So AmeriCorps C seems to be a program where people go and volunteer to do building work, etc. around different parts of America. I think that's what it is, or at least I think that's part of it. Anyway, so there's that. And then Excelsior seems to be a school for girls that obviously has since shut down. I did look up Shannon Rose and she is C-H-A-N-N-O-N Rose, I think. And I did choose not to watch her videos or look into the stories of what happened to the girls at that school because I don't think I'm in a place where mentally I can manage that right now. So thank you very much, Laura, for your stark warning of proceed with caution if you're going to look into this stuff. And here's the thing. We've said it once. We'll say it again. We'll probably say it again a million times. Schools are creepy places when they are not in use because there's somewhere that was once full of life that is not full of life and it feels eerie and empty double that, triple that, quadruple that when it's a school where abuses took place. 
and I use the term school lightly there. So it's a school where abuses took place that also at one point was some sort of insane asylum or lunatic asylum for young women and famously women who were put into asylums etc were not treated very well. And I completely understand those feelings, Laura, of something being there all the time. That feeling that the girls are just out of your sight, just out of your reach, that there's giggling that you just can't hear, all of those feelings. And I think actually you bring up a really important point, which is we often, in the spooky community where everyone loves ghost stories, we forget that behind those ghost stories there are often very tragic stories And I do think it's important for people to recognise that, that yes, it might be spooky and you're running around at night giggling, etc, etc. But actually behind those stories, there is often a lot of tragedy. But I will say that you couldn't catch me staying there for that long on my own. Absolutely not. No way, Laura, you are one brave person. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Jen, Nancy, Lizzie and Laura. Remember, the last story came from March the 25th, 2023. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And if you want to check out the website, you can do that on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And just to say, if you hear voices in the background of this episode, no, I'm not being haunted. No, it's not the voices of the dead. It is the voices of Sinead and Nick from the Poisoner's Cabinet, who are also recording an episode of their podcast downstairs in my house so there's a lot of recording going on a lot of voices going on if you can hear those voices that's what it is i promise you're not losing your mind thank you so much for listening to today's episode and i will see you next time even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.